The Business on RTE Radio 1 with AIB. It takes a certain kind of brave to run a business. We see it, we back it. Well, it's no surprise uh, Ukraine is making the headlines again this morning with those brief five-hour ceasefires in some cities. But meanwhile, Russia has warned its neighbours not to impose any more sanctions. But will we see a ratcheting up of sanctions, particularly around oil and gas? We're joined by Chris Weifer, Chief Executive of Macro Advisory, a Moscow-based strategic consultancy, and also by David Horgan, Managing Director of Petrol Resources. You're both very welcome. Chris, first to you, you're in Moscow. Before we talk about further sanctions, the sanctions that have been announced... Are they visibly starting to bite or is it business as usual there? Uh, no, they're starting to bite. You, you can see the, the impact on, in, in, in Moscow right now. People are, are starting to kind of, I wouldn't say panic buy, but they're certainly starting to accumulate goods that they think are either going to go up in price because of the ruble devaluation and the impact on, sanction, on inflation. And Russians, of course, have seen that relatively uh, recently in 2015-16, so they remember that. Or also, they're certainly very aware of the fact that there's this big trade embargo that's now being put in place against Russia, so a lot of goods simply won't be available in, in, in the shop. So you're seeing that, but the mood is definitely a lot different this time, and it's really changed a lot in the last four or five days. Uh, people can access internet news. That they're certainly very aware of what's happening and how Russia is being viewed in the rest of the world. Uh, and I think people are both scared and are becoming a little bit angry as well about what's happening and why it's and happening. And what about Westerners living there? I mean, with, with some companies pulling out or deciding to, to stop selling to the Russian market, are, are some people going home? Um, yeah, some people are certainly uh, starting to leave, uh, not because of any concerns about safety or or any anti any anti-Western bias, fear, whatever. We certainly don't see that, and I really wouldn't expect that at all. But um, companies you know, are simply unsure how long this will last, how long their operations may be suspended, uh, and therefore it's a case of, of take your people out just in, in, in case. And then, of course, people who are working in the media. We've already heard that BBC have uh, shut down operations. Bloomberg announced the same last night, and this is because of the media law that the parliament passed yesterday, which now makes it a criminal offence to kind of misreport, spread fake news. But of course, the definition of what's fake news and misreporting uh, is open to their interpretation. Uh, What about news agencies have taken? Yeah, sorry. What about sorry to cut across you? What about yourself, Chris? And and you know, running running the business, the the consultancy business. There, are you staying or? Yeah, we're we're staying because we're we're based in a region. Uh, Moscow is just one of our locations. We of course cover. Uh, Ukraine and have been very active in, in, in Ukraine and Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, other countries. So we cover the whole region. And we, you're staying we, yourself, we, are you? It is our policy. Yeah, we, we, it will, I, no, I will actually leave because uh, my concern is that the internet may be restricted. And of course, we need uh, full communications to be able to do our business across the region with our clients, which are international, multi, our multinationals. So we need reliable internet. And so because government is now starting to shut down services like uh, Facebook and other services, uh, there, there is a danger that the internet could be disrupted and therefore I have to be elsewhere. So in that sense, yeah, the, for that reason, for practical reasons, not because of any concern about safety or shortages, but just purely keeping the business uh, running smoothly. Getting access. David Horgan, you know, we've talked a bit about sanctions. There are discussions and, and talks about further rounds of sanctions as, as things continue uh, to deteriorate in Ukraine. 
some people will say, unless there is a, a block or a ban on Russian energy coming into the likes of Western Europe, it isn't really going to bite the Russian exchequer and the Russian economy. Is it realistic uh, for, you think, the for EU countries to, to block the importation of Russian gas and oil? No. No, uh, these are the most severe sanctions we've ever seen on a developed economy. But the White House insisted that the sanctions would be, would the commodities, especially oil and gas, would be carved out of the sanctions. Now, that's the design. Now, in practice, it doesn't work that smoothly because a lot of traders are effectively self-sanctioning. In some cases, vessels aren't going into Russian ports. So these sanctions are not well thought through and they're having consequences which are unintended. But if you look at the basic numbers, I mean, Russia is about 40% of European piped gas uh, and 50% of European LNG. And there's simply no way that can be replaced. Now, and whatever, true, David, about a, a future transition away from that Russian dependence, which could take years, but in a shorter term, is there anywhere else? You know, I mean, they were talking about maybe getting gas from Qatar, from Azerbaijan, American fracked uh, energy sources have even been talked about. Is any of that a realistic or viable option? Or is this a sort of a game of financial chicken between uh, Western Europe and Russia? Well, um, what you're, the projects you're talking about are mainly liquefied natural gas, which is put on ships. Uh, it takes about €5 billion Euro to build a plant. It can take 15, 20 years. So these are long-term projects. They don't react immediately. Now, it's true that the LNG market has been growing quite strongly by about 8% a year, uh, but it's already a hot market with prices um, in their 40s. Uh, so um, we've been lucky this winter. This was a mild winter, so we were able to divert some LNG cargoes from Asia to the European market, which helps smooth things for this winter. Uh, but it simply cannot replace, uh, the, the numbers are too small, it cannot replace Russian piped gas. Um, and now, there, there are small pipelines from Algeria. There's two of them into Spain, but one of those is shut because of a row between Algeria and Morocco. And there's also a pipeline from Tunisia into Italy. But at the moment, there, there's simply no way to avoid Russian gas. I mean, over the medium term, you could restart exploration and development in the Irish Atlantic, fracking in England and France and Bulgaria and the countries where it's banned. But basically, there's no alternative for Russia for the next 20 there's no, years. There's no quick solution there. Uh, Chris Wheatford, if you look at the Russian economy, you look at the Russian state and the exchequer and financing all of this, how important <coughs> is oil and gas to that story? And, and how? what sort of impact can sanctions that exclude, that don't involve oil and gas, what sort of impact can they have? Well, uh, <clears throat> oil and gas is, 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 is absolutely critical. And actually, just very quickly, uh, following up what David said, of course, in the case of LNG, there's been calls about more LNG. People forget that in the last couple of years, Russia has either been the largest or the second largest supplier of LNG into Europe. So if you cut off, it's not just cutting off pipeline gas, but it's cutting off LNG as well. But uh, to answer your question, yeah, right now, of course, uh, energy exports, but uh, all exports, material, Russia, <coughs> Russia is also the largest uh, exporter of wheat, uh, etc. Et so it's right down the line. That brings in about $20 billion per month uh, in terms of trade surplus or current account surplus. That's enough money for the government to keep funding kind of essential services, provide subsidies for employment. Uh, and 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 to uh, continue to pay in you know, a social program, so it keeps the lights on. It keeps uh, an amount of stability, of course, and fund a war and it prevents at the same time. A financial crisis and fund a war. Well, at the, same the war, time. Russia, yeah, Russia accounts for the war quite differently than say would be the case in, in the West. Uh, so they, they currently the war is not costing the Russian budget anything because these are already sunk costs. 
but you know, they, so long as energy exports remain, so long as there is at least one Russian bank still allowed to use the SWIFT system, then Russia has enough money to prevent a financial crisis and to keep funding basic services. Okay, f- uh, but, of yeah. course, because of the other sanctions, we will, of course, see the economy slide into a recession or, or, or minimal growth. But a financial crisis can be prevented, provided energy is exported and can be paid for. Is China the big winner out of all of this, Chris? Absolutely. Uh, and uh, th- there's no doubt about that. Uh, we've seen that over the, since sanctions started in 2014. Uh, China has been ready, willing and able to step into kind of all energy deals that Western companies either had to leave or weren't able to, to participate in. So uh, China now imports 1.2 million barrels of Russian oil a day through a direct pipeline. It is the major investor in the big LNG projects in the Arctic uh, and, and has agreed now for a third what they call Power of Siberia gas pipeline coming from Russia's Far East into China. And now, recently, of course, we've heard companies like BP and uh, Shell and Equinor saying that they're going to exit Russian investments. You can be sure that there'll be Chinese companies with uh, checkbooks open, ready to step in. To take up the this, slack. Yep. All of this helps secure China's long-term energy security. Okay, I'm afraid we'll have to leave it there. Thank you very much for joining me, Chris Weifer and David Horgan of Petrol Resources.